Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M C C A R T A N. All right, welcome to 60 Minute Overtime. The- First episode of 2017. Today is January 8th. I'm your host, Danielle McCartan. Quick shout out to all my outlets here www.prosportsrundown.com. That's my site. Twitter at Coach McCartan. Also on YouTube, search for Coach M C C A R T A N with a space. SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan. On demand. I'm in a different bunch of different places now. On demand, you got me on an iTunes podcast. Uh, you type in Coach Space M C C A R T A N. Tune in radio. Type in 60 minute overtime with spaces, and that's a six and a zero. And also new over the new year, I'm on Google Play for you Android users. So you can take my show to go, my interviews to go. So what you do is you go to play.google.com, and in the search bar, you type in Coach McCartan, no space. That's you. Listen up. And uh, being video simulcast right now, uh, I can't really make these too straight, but uh, right now I'm Periscope at Coach McCartan. And uh, for those of you guys, five of you guys on Twitter, eight on Periscope, I mean, eight on Periscope, five on Facebook, facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. So, uh, New Year. Oh, did you miss that? That was my lip syncing of Mariah Carey songs. Ah, I get it. So you guys, I'm sure, have seen the disaster on New Year's. That was Mariah Carey. Uh, and that was me lip syncing. Oh, you didn't see it? Should I do it again? So uh, that's news because the Indiana Pacers, that's sports news because the Indiana Pacers successfully trolled Mariah Carey this past week. I don't know if you saw it, but they had a lip sync cam at one of their games, and they had a Mariah Carey song playing. This wasn't it, I don't think. But this is one of my favorites, if there is a favorite Mariah Carey song. Um, People in the crowd had to do their best Mariah impression when the camera landed on them. So in case you missed it, you can check out the video on Periscope and Facebook. And uh, that was my Mariah Carey lip sync. You see, you just missed it again. Uh, So that was was very, very funny. Touché. To the Indiana Pacers. I mean, that was that was pretty cool. Not cool for Mariah, of course, but cool for everybody else and funny, I think. All right, so you guys listening might want to load up my Twitter page right now and my Facebook page. I'll tell you why. Because New Year, I'm returning to the contest format. I have a contest coming up. So right now, you should go on to, if you have Twitter, you go on at CoachMCC. A-R-T-A-N and wait there and then if you are on Facebook you go to facebook.com slash coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N okay because load that up I'm going to intro a little bit for today I'm doing a contest momentarily and you better get ready because you have to be the first one okay so Today's guests, I have Super Bowl winning former New York Giants tight end Howard Cross on the show today. And I also have Super Bowl winning former Green Bay Packers running back Ryan Grant. He will also be on the show today. So we're going to get uh, into some NFL 
NFL playoff action, my what the F story of the day, and I have a little segment called uh, New Year's Resolutions, hashtag resolutions for 17, where I'm going to give you just a couple New Year's resolutions that I think some players and teams should have in 2017. Okay, so listen up. And Facebook. Be the first to tweet me with the required information to win a prize. Or comment. It's at Coach McCartan. At Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Good luck. Okay, so we have a contest today. I have a contest for you guys today. And that is uh, brought to you by, his name is David Choate. David Choate. He's a fantastic original, and he does mostly sports uh, uh, paintings. I mean, his original paintings sell for lots of money. I'm sure they take lots of time to do. And he, he from there, makes art prints uh, for the rest of us that can afford that. So today, I'm giving away a Eli Manning Giants art print. Uh, I believe it is an 8x10, um, and I found him, my brother, actually, uh, for some reason, uh, has his whole apartment decorated with all of this guy's work. So, uh, Dave Choate, he was a uh, very, um, how should I say, very gracious to supply me and, through me, you, with an Eli Manning 8x10. So in honor of the New York Giants making the playoffs, I'm looking at both. I'm expecting this to go pretty quickly. So I have my Facebook page loaded up. I have my Twitter page all loaded up. So the first person to answer this question is going to win the Eli Manning 8x10. And it's an art print, not the original painting. Let's just get that straight. Okay? So in honor of the New York Giants making the NFL playoffs in 2017, I have a Giants trivia question for you. Again, what do you win? An art print of New York Giants captain Eli Manning. Uh, you know the rules. Be the first to answer, either on Facebook or Twitter. I'm looking at them both. So there's no controversy here, okay? The question is, have you all in suspense? How many Super Bowls has New York Giants captain Eli Manning won? In his 13-year, 12-season NFL career. How many Super Bowls has Eli Manning won in his 13-year, 12-season NFL career? And that literally took nine seconds. We have a winner. I think I, I like doing this. I like doing these now. That I have a little bit of a following. We have a winner. Yeah, nobody on Facebook. So we have a winner on Twitter. Brian Denny. At Tell It B. The correct answer is two. Eli Manning has two Super Bowl wins in his career. So I'm going to send that out. That took literally nine seconds. Lenny, you had the right answer. Not fast enough. I'm sorry. 
Uh, so, Brian, I'm going I'm to get that out to you. If you could just follow me and I'll follow you back and send me your address, your mailing address, um, if your name really is Brian Denny, uh, and send that over to me. I'll have Dave Choate send that over to you. So you guys can visit him, www.davechoate.com. His site will redirect you. He has an Etsy page, etsy.com. I don't know how to get to it there, but if you go through uh, davechoate.com, you can surely take a look at all of his work. And it's not just sports. He has uh, other iconic figures on there too. So congratulations to Brian Denny and Lenny's calling foul. Oh, boy, Lenny. Uh, Brian Denny, nine seconds in. That was impressive. All right, so we have a winner. Yes, here we go. Okay, so the first show of 2017, New Year's resolutions. Resolutions for 17, hashtag resolutions for 17. The New York Jets should resolve to finding a quarterback. Finally, I don't know where they're going to get one, but they need to find one and quick. New York Yankees should resolve to providing an environment where the baby bombers, as they've been calling them, can mature into, shall we say, regular bombers. <laughs> Number three, Johnny Manziel's New Year's resolution simply is hashtag don't die. <laughs> as you know, he's had his struggles. I shouldn't make too much fun out of it. But Johnny Manziel's resolution for the new year of 2017 is just to not die. The NFL's resolution for the 2017, take a gamble on the Las Vegas Raiders. Please! Las Vegas Raiders, they need to happen. Oakland can't afford them. Some Raiders fans were getting into it with me on on uh, on Twitter. Listen, guys, if you can't afford a stadium, you can't keep the team. It's as simple as that. It's like mathematics. Right? If you can't afford a team, you can't keep them. You can't pay for them. You can't keep them. So I suggested to those people on Twitter the other day, I think it was like Thursday, that they should perhaps start a GoFundMe page. So Oakland Raiders fans, if you want to keep your team, I think GoFundMe might be the way. Otherwise, NFL, it's time for you to take a chance, take a gamble on the Las Vegas Raiders. Cam Newton, for you Panthers fans watching and listening, Cam Newton, he retired the dab, as you know, as you probably well know. He retired the that dab move, right, after making it to the Super Bowl last year. Then this year, they missed the playoffs. So, Cam Newton, in 2017, you should either bring it back, or find a new dance move to bring them back into playoff contention. So Cam Newton, hashtag resolutions for 17. Deb or new move? <laughs> I just made that up now. Now, number six, Bryce Harper. He, it was his resolution for 16. It is going to be his resolution for 17. Bryce Harper is a, a player on the Washington Nationals. Bryce Harper, hashtag make baseball fun again. He's on a mission. Bryce Harper is a man on a mission. Hashtag MBFA. <laughs> Get it? So now, and I had two come in uh, from both, I think, from Twitter. I posed the questions. I had two great ones come in. This, the first one is from at 
TSF89. Taylor, I hope you're listening, Taylor, or watching. Uh, he wants the Buccaneers, his team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to resolve to stop using a 90s alarm clock as the number template for their jerseys. <laughs> and I just got one coming through on, on Periscope. Has, uh, the Cleveland Indians will win the World Series next year. Resolutions for 17. Ooh, they got close this year. Maybe. So if anybody is owed a um, uniform upgrade, yeah, I would agree it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you look at it and if you Google it, yeah, they the numbers do look like a 90s alarm clock. Now I can't unsee it. I can't unsee that. Thanks, Taylor. And Lenny, my good friend Lenny, who's checking me out right now on Facebook Live, at K-O-S-B-E-R-G-L, Cosberg L. Lenny, he wants, and this is a serious one, to the Yankees. He wants the Yankees to hashtag honor Sparky Lyle on the 40th anniversary of his 1977 Cy Young Award. I think that's a good one. Um, I, I, I interviewed Sparky Lyle. He was one of my first sit-down interviews. He was, he was my first contestant on Athlete Karaoke. So, um, yeah, anything else coming through, let me know. You can hashtag 60-M-I-N-O-T and then tell me your resolutions for 17 for your team. And I'll read a couple. If I get a couple, I'll read some on air, of course. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's that. So, Brian Denny, let's go back to you. You have won the Eli Manning art print. All right. And, uh, and I just have to give a local shout-out because I think they might be listening or watching Varsity House Gym. I, I always want to say it's Old Japan. Uh, I think it's Orangeburg, Orangeburg, New York. They had one of their athletes in. One of their athletes playing last night in the Houston Texans game. Uh, I think he's the captain, defensive captain, Brian Cushing. So they just retweeted my tweet. And uh, how are you guys doing if you are listening? So this is a segment that I like to keep doing. This is called the What the F segment of the day of the week. And here's a little hint. Here's a little taste. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world on HBO pay-per-view. Ladies and gentlemen, from Mandalay Bay, Las Vegas, uh, let's get Weighing in at 148 pounds at 5'9", 26 years of age, Soldier Boy. Superman. 
corner weighing in at 175 pounds at six feet one inch and 27 years of age oh that's right chris brown Chris Brown and Soldier Boy are set to squash their stupid Twitter beef in a boxing match. Oh, it's going to happen. Because guess what? Chris Brown is going to be trained by boxing legend and pigeon keeper Mike Tyson. Soldier Boy first announced, however, that he was being trained by Floyd Money. Mayweather and the Money Team. Can Soldier Boy, in fact, Superman, Chris Brown? I mean, they've both been to jail. You might be expecting a scrappy fight, because I know I am. And this is literally going to happen. This is serious. Everybody, this is serious business. Chris Brown and Soldier Boy are going to be boxing. Oh, yeah. My pick. You ready for this one? Someone already said it watching on Periscope, and I agree with you. I mean, come on. We all see what he we all saw what he did to Rihanna. Oh, might have been too soon. But hey, listen, I did I, I researched this. Rihanna weighs 130 pounds to Soldier Boys 148 pounds. They're similar builds. Yeah, I'm comparing Soldier Boy to Rihanna in the way that he looks. So Chris Brown is absolutely going to destroy Soldier Boy. Absolutely. Now, if you think I'm joking, no, I'm not joking. This is the what the F segment of the day. This is not a joke, ladies and gentlemen. This fight is going to take place in Las Vegas, Nevada. Stop the presses. This is going to take place in, I said it, Las Vegas, Nevada, most likely on pay-per-view in March. This is going to be a real event, a real event in, in March in Las Vegas. Yes, Soldier Boy, Chris Brown. Again, Chris Brown will have Mike Tyson in his corner. Soldier Boy is going to have Floyd Mayweather. And the entire money team in his corner. Yes! And Chris Wynn, I'm glad you just joined in on, on Periscope. You are a Vegas dude. What do you think about Chris Brown Soldier Boy happening? Because it's going to happen. It is going to happen in in March. And, and by the way, 
there's I don't know if you know this other guy, but he has been somewhat acting as uh, the maniacal madman behind this. Uh, he's been putting basically the whole event together. He's been a little bit enticing the fight. I don't know if you heard of this guy. Yeah. 50 Cent. Oh, I just missed that on Periscope. I don't know what that was, but you can say that again, please. So, uh, yeah, 50 Cent. 50 Cent actually made the phone call to Mike Tyson. And it was loaded with expletives. I would have played it for you, but, um, I couldn't. <laughs> I'll be honest, and I couldn't. And I wasn't about to start editing that. So, yep, Curtis Jackson. 50 Cent Curtis Jackson is, is, has dubbed himself the promoter of this fight between Chris Brown and Soldier Boy coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada in March. And if that's not crazy, you know, I really don't know what is. But Chris Brown is going to beat Soldier Boy's little behind. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Let me know what you think. Hi, this is Mike Riley, outside linebacker. Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're listening to 60 Minute Overtime on 93.3 FM WRBR. So two recaps from yesterday's games. Two recaps from yesterday's NFL games. As you know, the NFL players are upon us. The Oakland Raiders at the Houston Texans happened yesterday. We'll do this in chronological order. Uh, it was the 4.30 p.m. game. It was so one-sided. I'm just going to sum this up in three main points. Someone just said, I'm obviously a big Rihanna fan. I think everybody is. I don't think anybody really hates Rihanna. So the, uh, the Oakland Raiders game, Houston Texans. Listen, I-, I wanted the Oakland Raiders to win. Ever since I did that story about them uh, on Pro Sports Rundown, about them becoming the Vegas Raiders, I have a soft spot for them. I do like the Raiders. I do. But this game was just so one-sided. Uh, here it is. Point number one. The offensive line for the Raiders was uh, pretty much non-existent, doing their best Swiss cheese impression. And, you know, Connor Cook is the third-string quarterback for the Raiders. They didn't help him out any. Well, I shouldn't say any, because at the end of the game, they were abiding him a little more time in the pocket, and he was able to connect. He, He marched him right down the field. I think for a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have that written, but... You know, Connor Cook as a third-string quarterback, you don't get second-team reps as a third-string quarterback. You get no reps in practice. So, you know, Raider fans were hoping for a miracle. It didn't really happen, and and I blame the offensive line for the Raiders for that. And obviously Donald Penn was out. Yes, we all know that, but still. Also, not helping out Connor Cook were the wide receivers. The number of drops by the wide receivers in that game made you think you were watching a high school game. Amari Cooper, Crabtree, I mean, the running back. It was just, he can get it there, but he can only do so much. You have to catch the ball. And the Raiders' defense made Brock Osweiler. Someone said, my Lions stumbled into the playoffs. Too big of a chore for Detroit to go to Seattle to get a win. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that in one minute. But the Raiders made the defense of uh, the Raiders defense made Brock Osweiler, Texans quarterback, look like a Hall of Famer. 
Yeah, Brock Osweiler, the multi-million, billion, trillion dollar man down there in Texans. Texas. Took care of business. He didn't turn the ball over once. And the final score was the Texans win 27-14. Now, playoff implications, blah, blah, blah. If the Steelers win today, which they should, I think everybody's expecting them to win. I think they have the biggest point spread so far in the playoffs. Um, they will play the top-seeded Patriots on Saturday, January 14th at 8.15 p.m. And, and by the way, if you want to chime in, chime in with any of your thoughts on any of these NFL playoff games this week, next week, here's the number. Got something to say? Call the studio, 201-825-1234. The next game, obviously, as someone already had alluded to, was the Detroit Lions at the Seattle Seahawks. That was the 8.15 p.m. game last night. And uh, Seattle, uh, coming into this game, had won nine straight home playoff games, which uh, entering play was the, um, the longest active streak. Uh, and, and as someone already mentioned, uh, the Detroit Lions, I mean, I was pulling for them because, you know, I don't know. You just you just never – you always happen to see the same team. So um, someone already said on, on Periscope that three horrible calls on the Lions didn't help, plus Tate and Ebron dropping passes. Listen, first of all, I want to talk about the officiating in this game. Thank you for, for that, um, that illusion here, but – the officiating. These guys are supposed to be the best officiating crew as rated by their peers and their players and, and blah, 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 blah. I mean, the, the amount of missed calls in these games has been uh, so far astounding to me. When you looked at the first touchdown, not that it totally mattered, but it did change the complexion of the game just a little bit. The, the first call that they missed in the Lions game was on that incredible, don't get me wrong, it was an incredible circus catch. It was. However, the Lions defender was face masked from the moment the Seahawks player went to catch the ball until the moment he hit the ground. He had his fingers, and they slowed it down, fingers inside of the face mask of the Lions defender. Obviously, it resulted in a touchdown, and they called... um, it was a penalty on the player. I can't remember what the penalty was, but it wasn't It wasn't that. It was a penalty against the Lions on that play. I believe they called illegal hands to the face. Someone check me on that. Besides, it, it should have been offsetting penalties, and it should have not been a touchdown for the Seahawks. Um, and if that's the officiating we're going to see moving forward, I mean, come on. There shouldn't be three teams playing. There shouldn't be the two football teams and, and the – black and white stripe team playing in these games they should blend in and when there's a blatant call like that one they need to take the flag out of their pockets and and the best thing was that the referee admitted to the Lions coach right before or during halftime that he missed the call come on man they call pass interference on yeah on Detroit's defensive back yes okay so it was uh, pass interference yeah so I mean come on Come on. And then uh, Stafford, and you know, 
this was astounding to me. I tweeted this yesterday. Matthew Stafford, the quarterback of the Detroit Lions, he was, and he is, I guess, in his career, five in forty-four. It means he won five games and lost forty-four games against any team above five hundred. With any team with a winning record, he's only beaten them five times. The Seahawks obviously had a winning record coming into this game. And if you look at that stat, that's astounding. If you look at that stat, you wouldn't really think that they had a chance. And you know what? They really didn't. Stafford didn't find the end zone once. Final score of that game was 26-6. to And don't get me wrong, Seattle is or has one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. Don't get me wrong, it is a very tough play place to play there and so now they have won not a uh, 10 the seattle seahawks have won 10 straight home playoff games which is still building on last week or yesterday still the longest active streak so giants fans we don't know we don't know fourth quarter no call pass interference on seattle was huge detroit was down seven at the time yes i agree i agree and I think these. I hope these referees do take a a step back in these games today. I really am really dreading watching the officiating crew and Tom Brady. It makes me sick, not because I'm a Jet fan, but because anybody that approaches, and I've said this on here before, any player or coach that approaches the referee, the officiating huddle, or the referees looking for a flag, should be flagged themselves. Let me tell you. And and DeAndre Hopkins, I can't watch him either. Starting from literally the first play of the game yesterday, he was looking for a flag every single time. You can't do that. You just can't do that. You got to let the guys play. You can't be the ter- determining factor in a game. I'm sorry. So maybe in the offseason, um, the, the NFL could take a look at hiring full-time officiating crews. I mean, that would be great. That would probably solve the issues because these guys have their own jobs on the side. So uh, the winner of uh, that game, which is the Seahawks, they're most likely going to play the second-seeded Chiefs on uh, Sunday, January 15th. Uh, And this all depends on, obviously, the Steelers game. Steelers-Dolphins. Today's game, Steelers-Dolphins, that's the 105 Eastern Time p.m. game. Uh, They're coming to you from... uh, Heinz Field in Chile, Chile, Chile. No, not Chile, the country. Chile, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, Miami Dolphins obviously are in Miami. And let's just look at the, the temperature differential right now because I believe it's great. Right now in Pittsburgh, the air temperature is 16 degrees. That's not including the wind chill. And right now in Miami, it's a balmy 60 degrees. Okay, so 60 to 16. The Dolphins are relying on their backup quarterback. Tannehill is inactive or not playing in in today's game. Dolphins are relying on their backup quarterback to make some magic happen. Uh, Similar to the Oakland Raiders taking on the Texans. And oh, let me backtrack for a minute for that game. I have an issue with the Houston Texans making the playoffs every single year. I've said this on here before. How does a team with the worst record out of all the division winners get to make the playoffs? 
by the way, their division, the AFC South, is is the worst in football. So you win your division and you skedaddle into the playoffs. You beat the Oakland Raiders because their quarterback broke his leg two weeks ago or last week. And you know you get some luck. Um, and someone said Matt Moore, which is Dolphins' backup quarterback, needs to go all in. Dan Marino today to keep pace. 300 yards and three touchdowns. Is that what you're saying? Or is that what he needs to do? <laughs> um, but the Texans make the playoffs every single year, and I'm just tired of it. Because when you play in a division where you're playing not-so-great teams twice, you know what I'm saying? But look at the AFC East or, or, or the Giants division, the, the NFC East. The Cowboys have three losses. One was because they didn't even play their starters last week. But they have, take that away. They have two losses to the Giants. And the Giants get in with a wild card spot. Instead of the first seed Cowboys. So the Texans and, and then the Jets have to go in and play the first seed of the best team in the AFC Patriots twice a year. I mean, okay, I know people say in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. But once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. That's my point. Once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. So if for for the Texans to continually be making the playoffs, I have quite the issue with that. And uh, I keep saying Titans. When the Texans, when the Texans keep making the playoffs, I do have an issue with that. I do. And they got lucky. Brock Osweiler had the best game of his career last night. Um, but next week's going to be real tough. So uh, back to the Dolphins and Steelers, 105 from Heinz Field. Dolphins are relying on Matt Moore. I mean, come on. He's got to put up great numbers. But the, I think the key to this game is going to be, um, I think his first name is Jay, Ajayi, the running back for the Dolphins. See, listen, when you can uh, get a, a running game established and, and off the ground, it is very extremely helpful to the quarterback. If you can get your running game established, that makes your offense two-dimensional, right? So the defense can't bank on, you know, one way or the other what you're going to do. If you can at least keep them honest, and J.J. is going to have a big game today. You watch this. If you can do that, and if he can get involved and take a little bit of the pressure off of uh, Matt Moore, it, it's exactly what the uh, Texans did last night. They went up, I think, 10 nothing before they even had their offensive – before they even had um, Brock Osweiler get into the end zone. So when you have a 10-point cushion, you play a little bit more relaxed. You have a little bit more confidence. Uh, if you make a mistake, it's not such a big deal. So that's what the Dolphins need to do today. Listen, I know I have a Dolphins fan on Periscope every week. I'm not sure if you're listening, but I'm rooting for the Dolphins in this game. And listen, Antonio Brown, who's the best Steelers uh, wide receiver and one of the best in the entire game, the last time these guys matched up in week six, I know that's a long time ago, but the Dolphins held Antonio Brown to only 39 receiving yards in week six, which tied his season low. So there is a little glimmer of hope for the Dolphins today. But going into Heinz Field again, we talk about the uh, the Seattle Seahawks having one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. I mean, you really, you really have to take into consideration the Steelers at Heinz Field. And uh, and I have a thought about that. I was looking at it last night. I was looking at the stadium build of the Seahawks, and I was looking at the stadium build of the Steelers. 
Everybody can agree they have one of the best home field advantages in the NFL, right? And then I look at the stadium build of a, of our local stadium, MetLife, brand new, right? I think that in order to have a great home field advantage, the people, the fans, need to be as close to the action as they possibly can. Also, stadiums cannot be so corporate. Okay, when you look at MetLife Stadium, they have the coaches club and this club and that club. You look at it on TV, when it's freezing cold outside or, or just, you know, at coming into the game or back after halftime, these people aren't sitting in their seats. They're not amped up. What You know what? I'm guilty. I've sat in those seats. Why would I be outside when I could watch it on TV, eating all the food I can eat, drinking all the drinks I can eat? I have my own bathroom, heat, everything. But then you go to Lambeau Field, which we'll get to in a minute. Lambeau Field have bleacher, has bleacher seats all in one section, basically, it looks like on TV. So so do the Steelers. They have one section, one long section of like 60 rows. And, and so do the Seahawks, one long section. That way the people feel part of the game as the 12th man, as the Seahawks like to say. So these corporate stadiums are, are, are really, really hurting the teams that play in them. Now, I have a, a special treat for you guys. Um, first, let me unveil my newest tagline. Hey, dude, how you doing, man? This is Ryan Grant, Packers, former Super Bowl running back. And you're listening to 60 Minute Overtime. And the game that everybody's going to be watching around this area and, and around the NFL, probably the best game of the wild card weekend is going to be the New York Giants at the Green Bay Packers from frigid, frigid, two degree below zero wind chill Lambeau Field, obviously in uh, Wisconsin. That game is kicking off at 4.40 p.m. Uh, a little while ago, I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, Giants Super Bowl winning tight end Howard Cross. It was short but sweet. Uh, he's a great guy. You can check that out. Go to YouTube.com if you want to see the video, which I think is more interesting anyway than, than the audio. Uh, go to YouTube.com. In the search box, you type in coach. Hit your space bar. And you put in M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. And all of them will come up. All 80-some of them. It's the most recent one. And uh, here it is. Here's uh, me, Daniel McCartan, with Super Bowl Giants winning uh, tight end Howard Cross. Okay, I'm Daniel McCartan here at the Yogi Bear Museum and Learning Center with the Super Bowl winning tight end Howard Cross. Um, so Super Bowl 25 was a thrilling upset of the Bills. What was that experience like for you? Uh, it was pretty cool. I don't think people realize that it was one of the first times our country was into a national conflict, and I was shocked that we could be in a conflict. Mm -hmm. And Whitney Houston comes out and sings the national anthem, and everybody's crying. Made it for a special event. It's kind of what really kicked off what the Super Bowl is today. Did you cry? Yeah, <laughs> well, it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, you talked a little bit before, but what made Bill Parcells so effective as a head coach? Uh, he, you know, he demanded a lot of us, uh, over, overly demanded a lot of us, but he, he really understood the game a lot, uh, and he was willing to take a risk. And fondest memory as Bill Parcells as a head coach? Oh, fondest memory. I wasn't a big Bill fan. I was too young. Uh, <laughs> 
I think Bill finally fell on me making a joke about me being nifty in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it was pretty funny. So my dad wanted me to ask you, the Giants haven't had a, a good tight end in a long time. What, make, what makes it so hard to find a good tight end? I think, no puns intended there. I think today, <laughs> in today's, today's game, because they do seven on seven most of the time and they're only running routes, it's hard to find a guy that can do the entire thing. There are very few kids like the kid in Alabama right now or the kid at, I think, either Texas or A&M or Ole Miss. Those kids will play in the league for a long time. They'll do everything. Now, current Giants, I know you're an analyst or a sideline reporter. Mm -hmm. What's the impact of losing JPP? It's a big impact. The kid plays very well in the run game. I don't think people give him enough credit for that. They always care. They only care about the sacks, which is like one play a game. Right. Uh, but they really really miss his leadership. But he's at every game. I saw him getting after the linemen, telling them, uh, you know, you better go block somebody. Stop yeah. letting people get by. So I think he, he's coaching from the sideline now, which is pretty impressive. And uh, uh, Odell Beckham started slow. He's picking up. What, in your opinion, has changed? Nothing. I think, you know, Eli – leans on him when he needs to make a play. Yeah. Uh, he's pretty dynamic. It's hard to cover him. Uh, it's really interesting when you can catch a slant in the middle of the field and go 60 to 70 yards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, he's, a, he's a playmaker. Giants are still a playoff team? Yeah, they're definitely a playoff team. Super Bowl? I won't go that far. <laughs> they're a playoff team. All right, Daniel McCarty with Howard Fox. Thank you. So he wouldn't go so far to say that the Giants were a Super Bowl caliber team, but he did say, predict that they were going to make the playoffs. And here they are. They are in the playoffs. They are, um, I don't know. I, I, if, they, if the Giants get through the Packers this week, they will have the Cowboys in Dallas next week. And we all know how that story goes. So the Giants are looking for third time as a charm for both today and next week. Um, and there's a little history behind the Giants and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, someone, uh, Chris Wynn, I think that was on Periscope, just was telling me during that interview that there's no hotter player in the NFL than Aaron Rodgers. True, but there's no hotter secondary in the NFL than the New York Giants secondary. Janoris Jenkins, Eli Apple. I mean, come on, these guys are great. These guys are great. in overtime, we're going to welcome in Super Bowl champion, former Green Bay Packers running back, Ryan Grant. So, Ryan, you know, I wanted to start off this interview with, with one question Packers fans are probably dying to know. For a guy who's taken 22 Lambeau leaps, were you ever worried that you were never going to be allowed back onto the field? No, not really. We have security guards down there that kind of handle that. Um, you know, sometimes the fans can get a little uh, aggressive <laughs> with it, but no, that's, that was never a concern. <laughs> Um, so, had, do you ever have, like, a crazy story from a leap where someone just held on too long? Not necessarily. Um, I've seen some, I've seen things where, you know, fans have groped people, but I don't think, I, if, if they did, I wasn't aware of it necessarily. Um, <laughs> you know, I've seen people slip trying to get up there, you know, or bounce up against the wall, not, not necessarily get the jump they wanted. You know, that's kind of something that we always would uh, pay attention to, you know, the type of jump. Do you practice it? Not really. It was one of those things like you either got it or you don't. So, you know, you, as you look, as the year gets on, it gets pretty slippery over there. Mm -hmm. So people would, you would try to brace yourself a little bit more so you don't slip and then kind of, you know, if you're tired, you kind of push up off against the wall, so. All right, so Super Bowl 45, you know, the Packers won the championship. They beat the Steelers 31-25. You were on that team. Before we get to that, 
I just wanted to ask you. Now, you're an undrafted guy. The doctors, after a freak accident, said you might not be able to use your left hand again. What was it like to defy the odds and win a Super Bowl? More importantly than the Super Bowl, it was just more. It was uh, important for me to prove to myself that I could, um, you know, get back. And you know, once they told me that I'd be able to use my arm, then it was like, well, am I going to be able to play football? And they said I should. It's just really going to come down to my my own work ethic and what I'm my perseverance. So I just told myself that um, this was a phenomenal opportunity for me to prove to myself um, that everything in regards to mind over matter and believing it first and, uh, and manifesting uh, what my thoughts were, this was an opportunity to do that, to prove to myself again that I was, <laughs> that what I, what I had said and believed was real again and just over, you know. to affirm it again so I did that you know I took the opportunity to change my perspective I use it as a positive to change my body change my mind all that in my connection with football so it was it was a really awesome um, transition from that through, through that year off to be able to uh, take the time and uh, basically you know just train train my mind train everything just to be able to, you know, get back on the field in whatever capacity I could. And then, you know, once I was given the opportunity to come back in a, uh, the, you know, once I was able to at full speed, then I was like, all right, well, everything else is just up to me. Like, I can't, I can't blame it on anybody else. And I was like, that's really just me. And then things worked out, you know, it was, uh, I was fortunate. So are you one of the guys that wears the ring or do you just have it on display? No, no, no. Does anybody wear the ring? Really? Are there people that still do that? Uh, you know, <laughs> Yes, I've, I've seen a couple that do, yeah. No, I don't wear a ring at all. By no means, I don't actually even... The ring doesn't mean much to me. It symbolizes something, but it's not about the ring. I'm not really a uh, trophies or, like, um, rewards type of guy. Did you make it down to the White House to visit Obama, President Obama? Yes, I did. So yes, what was I that did. like? He's a diehard Bears fan, and it's a division rival. Was that ever awkward down there? Uh, it was, no, it wasn't awkward. He, you know, he, he gave his little jabs here and there and everything, but um, it was cool. You know, it was a, it was a interesting experience. We had to wait a long time, but it, it was cool though. I'm glad I did it. So I don't know. If, I don't know if I'd do it again, but no? I'm glad I did it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I've, I've experienced.
experience it, so I don't know if you're necessarily to experience it twice. So your career overlapped with uh, two of the Packers' all-time great quarterbacks. First, Favre being inducted to the Pro Football Hall of Fame this past summer. What are your thoughts on that? Of course, uh, um, you know, definitely uh, deserved, <laughs> you know. Um, it was uh, one of those things that, like, should have been done. You know, the minute he – the minute I, was that his first year of eligibility? I don't know if that was his first year uh, to be eligible. But, um, sure but if so, like, you know, it was one of those, like, uh, you know, absolutely deserved on all accounts, I think. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm excited for him. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you know, people were – able to see everything he's done and appreciate everything he's done. I, you know, I watched his speech. Um, I saw, you know, everything. It was just really, it was great to, to watch it and to, I'm super fortunate and grateful to be a part of his last year in Green Bay and uh, to experience him uh, from a, a teammate, from a friend and all that aspect. So, uh, really, you know, I'm super happy for him, super grateful and, um, yeah, you know, just glad he was able, he's able to uh, now reap the, the benefits and he gets what he deserves. Now, you finish out, you know, Brett Favre's career there, but you also were there for the beginning of Aaron Rodgers' career. What do you think yeah. about his chances of making it to the Hall of Fame? Uh, it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, you know, whenever his time comes, he's, he's first ballot. January 21st, 2008, the NFC Championship. It's negative three degrees air temperature and a wind chill of negative 24. It's the third coldest game in history. And you're wearing short sleeves. What was it like to play in a game like that, first of all? Uh, it was, it's funny, it was cold, but it's actually, I don't say enough, and I said this before, it actually, in, our, in my mind, I know if you guys on the team, it wasn't the coldest game that season to us. It didn't feel like the coldest game. I know temperature-wise, it, it technically definitely was, but that game a few weeks before in Chicago was definitely worse. <laughs> And because we had that experience in Chicago, uh, and we, we got we got our butts whooped in that game a couple weeks before that, but uh, it, it it gave us like a like almost like a table, like to like a guy like a parameter. You know, we had some sort of guidelines, so we knew what the cold was going to be like. And when we came out for that that night game against the Giants, everybody was a few of the guys, especially the running backs, we were like, "Oh, it's cold," but it's definitely not as cold as <laughs> the other Chicago game. And I, part of that was the, the wind wasn't blowing, right. you know. Um, the wind wasn't as heavy as it was in Chicago. So it was definitely cold. And the floor, the ground, you know, the field was really hard, uh, which I think added to the, the cold because uh, you could feel every time you hit the ground, it, it hurt, you know. Yeah, it's got to be awesome. Yeah, it was one of those. But I think um, it added to the fact that, we, you know, we didn't win <laughs> how cold it was. But uh, it wasn't – it wasn't terrible, I don't think. You know, I think that you'll see in certain positions, you know, I think the cold affected Brett. Uh, and you can see that sometimes in his play a little bit. Um, fortunately, I had a role that, you know, I was really active the entire game. So, you know, it wasn't – I didn't get a chance to really feel that much of the cold. And, um, you know, it's not, I don't remember that game as being terrible, terrible, like excruciating cold. Just remember it as you know, just being devastating, heartbreaking. That that. Twenty twenty, Favre thro- throws an interception, and you gave your team another chance because you forced a fumble. Can you take me back through that play? I remember we were driving and we felt like we were in a good position. Uh, and um, yeah, what, what was it on like the thirty or the twenty or something that he that he threw the pick or something? Yeah. And um, yeah, he threw it to RW, and I just tried to you know 
don't get it out, whatever. And we stripped him. And we, we got him back. Yeah, you know, just trying to make a play. I don't really remember too much of it. I don't really remember having it too much of an impact. <laughs> but uh, just trying to make a play. And I know it was RW that had that intercepted the ball. So, uh, you know, I went through there. So now it's, it's overtime, right? So Lawrence Tynes is attempting a 40-yard field goal. He's already missed two earlier in the game. What is your thoughts on the sideline? Uh, probably that he's going to make this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you really Honestly, think you know, to, to miss three in the playoffs is kind of ugly. Just miss two in a row is kind of, you know, doesn't really happen that much. So we felt like we were giving them opportunities, and at some point in time they were going to take advantage of the opportunity. So to, uh, yeah, it was it was hard. It's funny, going into overtime, because we got the ball first and everything, we, did, we were excited. And actually, I, I did think that we were going to get it done. But after that pick, and then seeing the position that they had, they didn't really have to go very far. I said, yeah, it's going to be interesting, this, this field goal. Um, I don't see them making it. But, uh, yeah, they made it. And here we are again. 47-yard try, his longest attempt of the game. He has missed his last two. Can he send the Giants to the Super Bowl? The kick is... Giants are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Now, now you got to notice your track record because in 2012, again the Giants come to town, NFC Divisional playoffs. You're down 20-10 at halftime at home. Who stepped up in the locker room? What, what was the, the talk like in the locker room after that game? Uh, basically, that we just weren't playing our ball. So everybody, I think every position was trying to step up some precautions. Everybody was playing uh, subpar to what we expected and, and what we could play. So um, it was a, across the board a team aspect of we get get it done. So let's just fast forward now to so this Sunday. First of all, you have an interesting story. You're a local kid, signed with the Giants, yet ended up on the Packers. Are you conflicted yep. on who to root for this Sunday? Absolutely not. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> no, no conflict. I'm rooting for the Packers. I am. teams that we played um, and that we beat and that beat us, I, I was very close with a lot of guys. Justin Tucker is one of my really good friends. Um, but no, there's no conflict. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Packer. You know, I appreciate what the Giants did for me and they definitely gave me my first opportunity um, in the league. But, uh, but I'm a Packer. So, you know, air temperatures expected, last I checked, between 12 and 19 degrees in, in Green Bay. Can the Packers, as Aaron Rodgers said, run the table? Uh, I think they can, yes. Uh, you know, who knows? We'll say. Uh, a lot of different injuries. They've got a couple of guys that are banged up. Um, and I, it's interesting. I think the offense is clicking more and more, and I, I don't think that that's going to be the issue. Um, like anything, when you get to the playoff time, it's really what the defense can do. And um, whether or not they can stop that, you know, prolific offense by – especially that passing attack by the Giants. You know, as I said, the secondary being a little depleted is going to be interesting to see. So I'm, I'm curious about this game because I don't think the weather's going to be that much of an issue yeah. in other, as it was in other games, right. you know, right. in other playoff games against the Giants. So I, I think that the weather, you know, it'll, it'll be cold, but it won't be excruciating cold, bitter cold. 
So um, I really just want to see which team is able to step up defensively because I think both offenses are kind of rocking right now. So it's going to be a matter of whichever defense is willing to, um, if not willing to, is able to um, maybe create a couple, create a couple turnovers or uh, you know make some big plays happen. Yeah, the Packers have the eighth best run defense in the league. Giants running game is too switched up. I, I mean, I'm imagining this game to be in the air. I, I don't really see either team having a strong running game. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I don't necessarily think that the, you know, I would think the Packers would try and establish something on the run just because Aaron is that much better when he can run. Right. When he knows that, that he has something, you know, to when he can run and, and he can keep the defense a little bit honest. But, um, but either way, I, I don't think that's going to be where the uh, where the focus is at for either offense. Um, both both offenses are kind of clicking in some regard, and especially in the passing game, uh, probably Packers even more. But uh, it'll be interesting to see because they have you know with those three four wide receiver sets that the Giants have, and with you know what the Packers are going to do having a secondary that's banged up. Now Rogers, I mean, I was just watching the last game. He was the offensive line was rewarding him like nine seconds to throw the ball. When he gets like that and he starts directing traffic, he's pretty dangerous. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, if not the best, one of the best. Um, uh, definitely, I think right now the line is phenomenal. Um, the way that they're playing is top-notch. And, you know, you really can't ask for a better job from them across the board. They're, they're giving Aaron a lot of time. They're playing aggressive. They're controlling the line of the scrimmage. Um, yeah, so I think that, you know, that's what, honestly, that's what it's going to come. It's going to come down to whichever line is, the, ten, the trenches, you know, offense, defensive line. So, um, I'm, uh, right now I'm leaning towards the Packers, but um, I'd like to see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I was going to ask you, so are we going to see any late game heroics from Rodgers throwing the Hail Mary pass downfield? Nah, I don't know. I don't think it's going to come down to that. Okay. I, don't, I don't think this game will come down to that. What, so what would you say your score prediction would be if you had, <laughs> if you had to make one? I don't know. I'm going to make score predictions. <laughs> I think they score. Um, it's going, it'll be in between the 20s and between the yeah, between the 20s and 30s. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. So I have one fan question coming from Tara and Beatrice and Smith. And they want to know, how did it feel to return to Green Bay after Washington? And did Green Bay feel like home to you? Uh, yeah, Green Bay is definitely home. It was, it, it was different, though, because when I did return to Green Bay, already, you know, halfway through the season, and they had already established themselves as identity-wise and as a team, so I was stepping into a team that was already, you know, identified, uh, and so I had to kind of jump where I could, you know, and so even though I knew a bunch of the guys, everybody knew me, you know, very comfortable, it was, it was very easy for me to do that, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the same, and that's fine, you know, and that's part of, that's part of the business and that, but, uh, but I'm glad I did it. You know, I appreciate it, and um, and I know they did. And uh, like I said, I'm you know, I'm, a, I'm a Packer. I'm glad I got a chance to end my career as a Packer, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to, to to the young guys and all the guys and everybody they bring in doing well. Everybody, that was Ryan Grant, um, 60 minute overtime uh, Packers Super Bowl winning running back, and, and one just take your time to thank him for coming on. Absolutely, no problem. <laughs> So uh, that was Ryan Grant. He's right a now, it's a whoop, whoops! I just hit play again. That was Ryan Grant. Obviously, uh, I, it was a, a little bit longer of an interview, but he was great. Talked about a lot of important things. Um, I have just made 
brand new friends on Periscope, which I love. Uh, I, I have this friend, uh, si chiama Crusaders. Eh, Louis or lei, non so, come ti chiami, non so. Uh, Louis or lei, or he or she, I'm sorry, is um, from Italy. He is checking in from Sicily. I believe you now. I didn't believe you in the beginning because, uh, uh, you know, people are crazy on Periscope. And they say a bunch of different things. But I made a new friend. And he, he just asked me if he's, a, he's an Eagles fan. I asked if they followed American football in Italy. And they said uh, sometimes it's on TV, but definitely in the Super Bowl. And I asked what kind of a fan well, he told me, or she told me, Eagles, Ethan, Ethan, Gaetano in Italiano, Ethan, piacere, Ethan. And uh, he, he asked if, uh, oh, Cowboys fan, Giants are coming for you next week. But Ethan, Gaetano, just asked me if uh, he can send me an Eagles t-shirt. Yes, <laughs> send me an Eagles t-shirt. Uh, I would wear it, yes. Um, but... Ryan Grant uh, and and Chris Wynn from Vegas. I see. I'm covering all time zones. I got people from Italy, which right now is six hours ahead. Twelve oh six. What time is that there? That's uh, eighteen o'clock. I don't even know how to figure that. Out. Twelve. Uh, it's like six o'clock. Yeah, it's six o'clock there. It's six o'clock in Italy p.m. I got people from California on Periscope today. That's three hours behind. So it's nine a.m. there. And Chris Wynn, obviously from. Las Vegas checking in there on the California time, three hours. So spanning all kinds of time zones here, everybody. Let's talk about the Giants and Green Bay Packers. Listen, I'm going to give you my score prediction, but I'm going to give it to you at the end. we got to talk a little bit about the history here. So the, for the third time in nine years, the New York Giants' road to the Super Bowl will run through Green Bay, Wisconsin. Big Blue Nation is hoping history can repeat itself as they defeated defeated the Packers at Lambeau Field in January of 2008 and again in 2012. But those in and around the Packers organization are hoping that the third time is, in fact, a charm. Um, and, and Ryan Grant, as you just heard from, that 15-minute interview, Ryan Grant, he was great. He talked about playing in both of those prior games. Obviously, he's not on the roster anymore. Uh, he has since retired. But uh, he talked about both of those games. Is this season who is the best team in the NFL? Uh, it's it, the the Cowboys and and the Patriots are the best teams ranked. So, so uh, keys to the Giants game, keys to the Giants victory. Uh, and Chris Wynn and I were just talking about this. The Giants' number one key to the game. You can find this all written out. If you miss anything, you want to read. Uh, if you want to uh, reread any of it, like prosportsrundown.com is my site. It's all there. The Giants need to cultivate an, uh, uh, a ground game. They have to. The Giants have had continually the worst running game in the entire NFL. And their defense, and it's a, it's a miracle they've really gotten here, but their defense is top-notch. But the Giants need to cultivate an effective ground game. In their 19-10 to victory against the Redskins last week, the Giants rookie running back Paul Perkins, rookie, he ran for 102 yards on 21 carries, which is 4.85, almost 5 yards a carry. So he, Paul Perkins, is going to be the key to this game. He surpassed Rashad Jennings in running. Unfortunately, I like Rashad Jennings. He's a great guy, but um, Paul Perkins seems to be uh, carrying more of the lo workload. Uh, ben McAdoo praised his technique, and he said about last week, quote, I thought he 
He ran nicely. I thought he had a couple of nice cuts and stuck his foot into the ground. He had, a, he had a chance to put his pads on a couple times and run for some physical tough yards. We'll take a look at the tape, end quote. So, uh, and last week, the Giants have been averaging about 80 yards running, rushing per game. And last week, they had 161 uh, on the legs of Paul Perkin, basically. Uh, but, you know, you guys have to take into consideration that, that the Redskins have the 24th ranked rushing defense. Packers have the 8th best. So, uh, for success against the Packers, the offense must has to be two-dimensional. I mean, you have the Giants, I wish, and I said this on Sirius XM uh, just before I got here, but um, the Giants need to open up the pass deep because they, and by doing that, they, they have to incorporate a play-action pass. I don't, I don't know if the Giants ever have a play-action pass involved in their, in, their, in their game plan, but it needs to be there. It needs to be there because uh, if it's not, it's going to be one-dimensional. And if Eli Manning passes the ball 63 times like he did against Gaetano's Eagles, if the Eli Manning throws the ball 63 times, uh, you know, it's not it's it's not going to work out for the Giants. Um, and they lost, clearly, in Week 9. They lost to the Eagles. So it's got to be two-dimensional. They have to run the ball. And if it's not effective, they at least have to keep the Packers' defense honest. Also... The Packers' defense, their secondary is absolutely decimated. They have, first of all, the Packers have the wor- second worst passing defense in the NFL, and it has to do a lot with their secondary. And the only team worse than them in defending passing plays is the New Orleans Saints, and they are not even in the playoffs. So, uh, and and that's can take into consideration their recent injuries at the at the cornerback spot, corner on defense, not quarter corner uh Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford lit them up I think it was last week oh no in the NFC North title game yeah Matthew Stafford lit them up 347 yards and two touchdowns and they lost three cornerbacks due to injury this season Quinton Rollins Demarius Randall and McIntyre Dorland as a result Morgan Burnett and Mika Hyde their safeties have stepped up uh, they've been covering more ground than normal. I'm sure they have a, a game plan for that. Um, but th- they really need to take care of, and, and I said it on SiriusXM, Odell Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard, those guys have speed to burn. Eli Manning, if, the Giants would be dumb not to include a slant route for Odell Beckham Jr. over the middle. Because they scored on a, a 70-yard gain. They have speed to burn. Sterling Shepard's a rookie. Odell Beckham, as you know, is is you know is Odell Beckham. And if Eli Manning can throw the ball over the top in the cold temperatures, in the negative 2 degrees, well, you know, the Packers are going to have a long day. Because Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard have speed to burn. And Eli loves him in the red zone. Eli loves Sterling Shepard in the red zone. And, and Odell Beckham is known for his run-after-catch games. He is. And uh, he, he's going to have a big game. I, I'm going to say it here. Uh, the Giants must combine tight coverage with pressure. Now, that sounds simple, right? Uh, Ryan Grant predicted that this game is going to come down to the trenches, the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, sure, I think I agree with that because, um, uh, he, oh, he also told me that 
Rodgers is, if not the best, one of the best. Right now, the offensive line is phenomenal. The way they're playing excuse me, is top-notch, and you really can't ask for a better job from them across the board, and they're giving Aaron Rodgers time. They're playing aggressive, and they're controlling the line of scrimmage. Yes, that is all true, because I was watching in that Lions game in the NFC North Championship. Aaron Rodgers had a touchdown pass. He had nine seconds to throw the ball. I think I could throw a touchdown pass with nine seconds of time, <laughs> I think. Um, listen, the Giants' defense needs to get consistent pressure on him, but they can't break down in coverage. What I mean by that is this. The Giants' defensive line needs to put consistent pressure on Aaron Rodgers because if the Giants need help in blitzing, if they need the safeties come in, especially Landon Collins, you know, linebacker blitz and this and that, if they start bringing in different guys and different personnel to the blitz package and, and the and the you know in the rush, it's uh it's not gonna be a good game. Spot on, Daniel. Thanks. And Landon Collins is the next NFL star at the safety position. He already is. Landon Collins already is the next NFL star. He is it. He's there. He's a Pro Bowl defender. I mean, if the Giants have to move some of these guys into pressuring Aaron Rodgers, he Aaron Rodgers does an incredible job of keeping his eyes downfield. He always will find. Uh, he, Aaron Rodgers will always find the uh, the open man. He keeps his eyes downfield. When he starts pointing, he's got the ball in his hand, and he starts pointing downfield. I mean, only good things happen for the Packers when that happens. So, you know, the Giants can't come off their assignments on the receivers um, because only bad things are going to happen. He's going to find the open man. Uh, Snacks Harrison needs to be disruptive. They've lost Jason Pierre-Paul on that line. They're saying he may be back in action sooner than we think. Who knows? But he won't be in action today. And um, what's his name? Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Let me tell you this. It's important to note. We have to note this. He's a master escape artist. Yes. However. Jets. Sono un tifoso di Jets. Non mi piacciono i Giants, ma sono un tifoso di Jets. But Aaron Rodgers. He is, uh, he, it's important to note this. He posted his worst passer rating of the season, which was a 65. And it, he threw his season high interceptions, too, when the Giants met the Packers on October 9th. And I know, I know, I know they're going to say that's a, the Packers are a different team since October 9th. Yeah. He's working with uh, the, one of the best receivers in, in, in the NFL, and Jordy Nelson. Now he's back. Devontae Adams. Yeah. Randall Cobb. Yeah. If he's healthy. But the Giants' secondary is pretty good, too. I mean, Janoris Jenkins, Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie, Eli Apple. You talk about Rodgers being on a hot streak. Rodgers-Cromartie is on a hot streak. He has six interceptions, a team high, and four of them have came come in the final three games. And he, shut, he single-handedly ended the game against the Redskins. He had an interception versus Kirk Cousins, and that was it. That sealed the win for the Giants in Week 17. So we're talking a lot about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if these guys can stay on their assignments and do their job, hate to steal a line from the Patriots, but do their job. How old are quanti anni hai? 28. O 28 anni. I mean, the Giants, the, Gi- the Giants defense, and, and we've talked about this, but 
it's reminiscent of those Super Bowl years. It is. It is. This this team is reminiscent of the Super Bowl years. And if the Giants can get past the Packers, and, and those are my three keys to the game for the Giants, by the way. The number one key to the G- game for the Giants is cultivate an effective ground game. Even if it's not a, a, totally effective, you just have to keep the Packers' defense honest. Second, you got to capitalize on the Packers' depleted secondary. That's first and foremost. Take a few shots downfield. Throw the ball over the top and see what happens. Third, the Giants must combine tight coverage with pressure, and they have to stay on their assignments. And if, if that happens, the Giants will win. Now, the Packers' keys to victory, we've talked about red-hot Aaron Rodgers, right? He's somewhat Joe Namath-esque. He declared the Packers would run the table, right? And when I asked Ryan Grant if they could do it, because he's played with him, Ryan Grant said, yeah, I think they can. The quote was, I think they can, yes. Rodgers, uh, he had a slow start, finished the 2016 regular season with uh, just about a 66% completion percentage, just about 4,500 yards, 40 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, but two of them came against the Giants, just so you know. And a quarterback rating of 104.2. (laughs) <laughs> 104.2 snacks Harrison something's got to give Giants have held quarterbacks to worst QB rings this year yep that's right 77.6 yes that's right including Dak Prescott including good old Dak uh, Jason Pierre-Paul like I said is not going to be playing today snacks Harrison he's got 2.5 sacks and 86 combined tackles for the season he stuffs up the run and by the way the Packers don't really have a great running game so the Giants are, are uh, lucked out on that uh, Rodgers ha- must keep his eyes downfield to find an open man. We talked about it. Oh, and this is another stat I found interesting. Rodgers, believe it or not, in the regular season, he was the league's fourth best rushing quarterback. He had 369 yards. He had an average of 5.5 yards per rush, which is more than the Giants running backs have, let's just be honest. And he's got four rushing touchdowns. Four rushing touchdowns. And if you think of the best rushing quarterbacks, okay, you always think Kaepernick, Newton. Well, guess what, everybody? You got to add Rodgers to that list. And Ryan Grant confirmed all of this by telling me, because he played with him, he said, quote, Aaron is that much better when he can run, when he has something. End quote, obviously, end quote there. But, I mean, the Giants, they have to keep him in the pocket. Have to keep him in the pocket. Clock management is going to be the second key to to the Packers' win today if they are going to win because I think this game is going to come down to keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field. Clearly, we've seen what Aaron Rodgers can do late in games. We've seen it. All you have to do is Google search Aaron Rodgers' Hail Mary, okay? In less than one second, you're going to get 362,000 results. His most recent legendary comeback was his 60-yard heave to Jordy Nelson against the Bears not long ago, less than a month ago, December 18th. This set up a 32-yard Mason Crosby field goal as time expired. You know the rest. Listen to this, everybody. Listen up. If you if you were not paying attention to any of that, listen. Rodgers is ranked 16th among Chris are you listening to this Rodgers is ranked 16th among active quarterbacks in engineering game winning drives Eli Manning 
is tied for third place in that category. So if you ask me who I'd rather have with the ball at the end at the end of the game, I'm going with Eli Manning. Someone asked me this too, Roethlisberger or Manning? Manning. So if the Packers could manage it so that they have the last possession of the game in the fourth quarter, only good things are going to happen for them. And the third key to victory for the Green Bay Packers, nullify Eli Manning. Manning has an 8-3 and postseason record. Everybody in the New York media is making a big deal about postseason Eli. Well, guess what? Postseason Eli has been an underdog in five uh, of the 11 games, and he's an un- they found themselves as underdogs again. I think they're four-point. Chris, you could probably tell me better. I think they're four-and-a-half-point underdogs in going into today's game. He's uh, overcome adversity. I mean, if you saw him in in the press conference following the yacht, ex- the Miami yacht excursion with Justin Bieber of the Giants uh, wide receivers, postseason Eli is different than regular season Eli. I mean, he was, I was laughing out loud at what he was saying, and he was saying about that controversy how um, he was disappointed in the way that they packed because if you saw the picture, they were all shirtless. He said. Uh, that they, he was disappointed in the way that they packed because they seemed to have forgotten their shirts and they only brought work boots and jeans to Miami. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Uh, so he said he would advise them to pack better next time or something like that. Um, I mean, the Packers have an injured defense, an injured secondary. They, they must find a way to stop him. Uh, Eli Manning has 17 touchdowns in 11 postseason game games and the Packers secondary is the second worst in the league and that's not even um, counting the recent injuries they've they had last week. Packers, they have to give Eli Manning a couple different looks. They have to confuse him at the line of scrimmage because if they confuse him, oh, it's up to five and a half now. Uh, no, no, no. The, all right, so the line is up to five and a half Green Bay as the favorites. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, so, you know, they, got, they have to confuse Eli Manning at the line of scrimmage because if they can't confuse him at the line of scrimmage and he's able to dictate and understand the pass coverages from the outset, it's going to be a very long, long game for them. So they, they have to take Eli Manning out of this game. And maybe they might want to target Odell Beckham Jr., uh, rile him up a little bit. At kickoff, uh, kickoff is at 440. I think they're expecting it to be negative 2 degrees wind chill. Uh, it's the re- most recent forecast I've seen. Uh, and, and someone on Sirius XM, as I was coming in, was saying that they would take Eli over Aaron Rodgers any day in the cold because Aaron Rodgers practices in the cold every single day. Well, I'm going to disagree with that because Aaron Rodgers got beat by Eli Manning in the Frozen Tundra game. If, if you're not, let me refresh that for you. In 2012, in January of 2012, Aaron Rodgers was walking off defeated while Eli Manning was victorious. Let's just say that. Um... And uh, that's it. So Ryan Grant to summarize this by saying it defense wins championships, basically. You can find my article on prosportsrundown.com. We made predictions. Ryan Grant told me, quote, I don't really make predictions, but right now I'm leaning towards the Packers, and, and I think the score will be between the 20s and 30s. Uh, he doesn't, he, end quote, and he says he doesn't need to, uh, I think he needs to handle Jordy Nelson, seems to step up his game at Lambeau. Yes. Yes. Um, he said he doesn't like to make score predictions. So he said in the 20s and 30s, he thinks it's going to be a, a wild game over there in Lambeau. Uh, my prediction, here it is. My prediction 
and and by the way, I talked to him on what Wednesday of this week or Tuesday of this week, and I I had this all done before then. Believe it or not, I had this all done, all this information done on by Tuesday of last week. I think that the New York Giants are going to beat the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field today by a final score, 28-24. Giants win. Lock it in. <laughs> so for those of you guys checking that out, it's going to be the NFL wild card round this Sunday. That's today at 4.40 p.m. on Fox, Lambeau Field, Green Bay. Any final thoughts, everybody? On, I have a great audience. Any final thoughts on any of the games today? Oh, Chris Wynn's going Green Bay 34, Giants 24. Rodgers is a stud. <laughs> okay, we'll see. We'll see about that. We'll see. Um, so, uh, and, and for those of you wondering, uh, I uh, for those of you keeping score at home, I don't know if any of you actually were, but I am out of the CBS pool. I don't even want to talk about it. Let's not talk about it. Uh, the Titans, I have a, I have a gripe to pick with you, Titans. And when I interviewed De- uh, Jason McCourty in March, in February, March, I'm going to have a bone to pick with him. The Titans got blown out on Christmas Eve. Blown out on Christmas Eve against the two-win Jacksonville Jaguars. Tell me how that happened. Can someone please tell me how that happened, please? Because the next week... They beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the second best team in the AFC, and they blew out the Chiefs. And I still had the Packers left. I still had some good teams left. How does that happen? <laughs> I'm not really crying. It sounds like I'm crying, but I'm out. I could have won. I was like in the top, uh, top. what was it, 50 people left. And by the way, I don't know if I ever said this on here. I think I have. I can go back. You can go back and check the tape. I told you that the Browns were going to beat the Chargers. I told you. I told you. And my uh, friend from Italy just asked me if I play football. I probably could. È possibile. I could probably coach football, too. All right, so just to recap what happened today, we had a lot happen today, actually. Uh, today was a good show. I think it was a good show. First of all, I start off the program with my Mariah Carey lip syncing. Uh, and uh, the Pacers troll of her. Uh, I gave away from David Choate and Eli Manning art print. Brian Denny was the first person to correctly answer the question. The question was, how many Super Bowls has Eli Manning? Uh, who? I'll turn around for the people watching on Facebook and Periscope, whose jersey I am wearing, see, today, or T-shirt. How many Super Bowls has Eli Manning won? The answer was two. Chris Wynn, good stuff, great show. I'm hitting a sports book here in Vegas for some football. Bet on the Giants for me, $10 on the Giants. (laughs) Talked about New Year's resolutions for professional teams and players, both uh, mine and yours. What the F news story of the week? Chris Brown, speaking of boxing, Chris Brown. And Soldier Boy will be boxing in Vegas in March. Also had my interview with New York Giants Super Bowl winning former tight end Howard Cross. And my interview with Green Bay Packers Super Bowl winning former running back Ryan Grant. 
recap last night's playoff games, and that was that the Texans beat the Raiders, and the oh god, what was the other game? Uh, oh, the Seahawks beat the Lions, and then we previewed today's games: the Dolphins at Pittsburgh Steelers. That's the one o'clock game, and uh, we previewed in depth, more in depth, the Giants and Packers game. That's at four forty. You've been uh, checking me out on the WRPR radio, live stream, audio, or you've been checking me out uh, at Coach McCartan on Twitter, youtube.com slash uh, uh, search for Coach Space McCartan, soundcloud.com slash Coach McCartan. On demand, as soon as I go home and edit this out and, and send it out, you're going to have me on demand on iTunes. It's an official podcast, Coach Space McCartan. In the iTunes store. Also on TuneIn Radio. Uh, type in. It's called 6060. Space. Minute. Space. Overtime. On TuneIn Radio. And new for 2017. Google Play. For you Android users. That's going to be play.google.com. And in the search box. You're going to put Coach McCartan. No spaces. I know that's a lot to handle. But uh, video sign right now you've been watching on periscope at coach mccartan on, on facebook.com slash coach mccartan and um that's it hope to have another big show for you guys next week uh i, I thank you for spending your your sunday morning with me i appreciate it and uh, i appreciate your interaction we didn't get any phone calls but we had a lot of interaction on facebook and on mostly on periscope really for today so uh, and, and that's gonna do it so let's go big blue let's go giants and i'll see you guys next week it's going to be the same time, Sunday, 11 a.m., so set an alarm in your phone. I'll be here, and I'll talk to you guys then. Go Giants, go Big Blue. Follow me on Twitter, at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.